Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Jonathan Mann. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. Kind of tired. We're, my, my wife and I and son are moving, so we're, it's a lot of packing and bo- boxing of things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's n- never fun. <laughs> no, it's basically the worst. Yeah. So, Jonathan, who are you? Well, um, I'm Jonathan Mann, and I, uh, I, I'm best known on the internet these days for writing a song a day, which I've been doing for um, 2,100 and some odd days. I don't even know how many right now. <laughs> so, so how did you decide to start recording a song a day? Um, the origin story of Song A Day is that there is a thing called Fun A Day that happens every January where people are invited to make one piece of art. It's sort of like NaNoWriMo or um, or any of these other like thing a day challenge or make a, you know, make an album in a month, make a book in a month. This one is make a make one piece of art for every day in the month of January. Um, and I got a flyer for that in December of 2008. And uh, I thought, OK, cool, I'll write. And I'll write a song and make a video for every day in the month of January of 2009. And I did that. And then I just kept going, basically. And I haven't stopped. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a commitment. I watched, you did an XOXO talk over the summer. And I watched um, you talk about how you'd considered stopping at various points. And mm-hmm. you just kind of keep going. Do you know why that is? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch, there's, you know, it's, it's like any sort of thing. I've, I've thought a lot about the why and the reasons for, for why I do it. And, and, and also why I keep going when I, when I, when I sort of get close to stopping. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons actually these days is there's a sort of actual, like, it's weird, but it's like a, it's a fear actually of, um, you know, that if I let go of this project that I've sort of committed myself to for so long, um, that I'm afraid of the void that it would sort of leave in, in my creative life. So, and that, you know, that, that has been one of the, one of the biggest motivators actually for stopping, which is like, you know, you you should go towards the thing that scares you the most. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it definitely frightens me. (laughs) Um, but then, you know, but then by the same token, it's like, um, it's been, it's been such a thing that's brought so many great things into my life. Um, and I also really just love the idea of being a really old man and having written like, you know, 20,000 songs, uh, having done it every day and being like this old guy that, hey, is like people like young kids point at and be like, that guy wrote a song for every day for 70 years. Can you believe it? You know, so. So anyway, you know, there's a lot of different reasons, basically. Yeah, I think it's like the commitment involved in. So you're on Patreon, and I guess I should disclose, even though I'm not a journalist, but whatever. <laughs> I do support you on Patreon for. Oh, that's great! Thank four you. whopping dollars a month. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, I want to spread my spread my wealth around, so I chose several people to support and kind of did the minimum that I could do for each of them. But I'm like, well, yeah. it's going to help. So. Um, you wrote to your patrons, I guess about a week ago, about kind of like creativity and um, 
I'm trying to encapsulate this paragraph's long message that you sent. But like you were talking about this, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Which one was it? Because one of the things I, I'm really enjoying about Patreon, actually, is it's gotten me blogging, which um, I've never, I've always sort of wanted to blog. Uh, and, you know, with Song a Day, it's like introducing any other sort of consistent, it's sort of interesting, but introducing any kind of other consistent creative thing uh, has been actually quite difficult. I was doing a drawing a day for a time for maybe about three months. Um, and then that sort of fell off the wayside. Um, but Patreon has really inspired me um, using it as an excuse to basically like almost, you know, I'm doing the songs anyway, but I think about it in this way where I sort of get paid to blog now because I, I, I really put a lot of thought into trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to write about this week? And I feel like it's a really good outlet for that. Yeah. And I think the one I was thinking of was actually the most recent one you wrote where you were talking about picking a basket. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I face this in my life all the time where totally. I'm like, OK, well, I want to do photography and oh I'm going to start a podcast and yeah. um I really want to hone my writing skills and I want to do this other thing and I'm always in this constant like war with myself about yeah. yeah where to put my energy because all of these things are interesting to me I think I could do really well at all of these things but I've only got a finite number of hours a day mm -hmm. um so picking a basket is really difficult and it's also very scary. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what spoke to me in that in that oh, I'm glad. message was you're not alone, Aline. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, in a lot of ways it's like, you know, you'd think that I have picked my basket, right? Like I'm just doing my song a day thing. And um, you know, but in terms of you know, for me, in terms of like making a sustain making making a sort of sustainable living out of my skill set. Uh, that's really that's really where I'm having trouble figuring out where to where to put all the eggs. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard. It's 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 really hard. Uh, it's a hard proposition to to sort of cut yourself off from any any bit of uh, uh, of interest. You know where curiosity takes you. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It is hard, and it's. Yeah, it's a commitment. And that's something we I talk a lot about with creative people on the show is kind of that you're committing to something that's that's saying no to a lot of other things. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm really curious to know what you have learned in the, what are we at, six years almost that you've <laughs> been doing this? Yeah. I imagine that it's been quite an evolution for you in terms of just one process and getting ideas and how quickly you can write a song now. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that I came into it. I came into doing song a day already kind of being somewhat prolific, uh, you know, writing songs very quickly and writing lots of songs. Um, and I already came in with a certain sort of skill set of like, of being able to do that. And then I also had, had been recording, I had been like, you know, working on recording at that point for about five years, um, five or six years. And I'd been shooting video at that point for about three or four. So I came in with with a certain base level of skill set. Um, 
and it's been really interesting to me what which parts of my skill set I feel like have improved and which parts haven't. So I think one of the things that I've gotten gotten better at the most, like the thing that has percentage-wise just sort of increased in quality is my skills at recording and producing a song, um, working with the software and playing different instruments and putting everything all together. Uh, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that. And if you go back to the first year of Song A Day or even pre-Song A Day and listen to that stuff compared to the stuff that I have now, um, you know, to me, I can really like hear the the leap in quality. And um, I know everyone sort of hates their old stuff. That's sort of natural, right. a natural inclination for a creative person. But um, but to me, it's just like night and day. Uh, and more recently, you know, I've actually really started, and this is sort of a funny thing to say because it's going to sound like I'm bragging or something. But you know, I've always hated my voice. Um, I've always like, you know, felt like it was one of my greatest deficiencies as a performer and a songwriter. And just in like the last year, maybe I feel like I've sort of started almost like my voice is this like beast that I've that I've started to be able to tame to make it do sorts of things that I've always wanted it to do. Um, and that has come from nothing other than just sort of doing it literally every day uh, for so, so many years. I mean, you know, pre-song and I've been been trying, I've been writing and singing songs since I was 12. So it's been like a really long journey getting, getting sort of my voice to the, to where I don't absolutely hate it. Um, so that's been, that's been interesting as well. Yeah, I, I sympathize with that because I don't edit my podcast and I love singing. <laughs> you know, I love, I love performing. I love singing. Um, I do not sing in front of people. Yeah, I will yeah. speak in front of people. I don't sing in front of people. And <laughs> I can't listen to myself on my podcast because I just can't stand the way I sound. And so I imagine I'm trying to think of doing a little bit of something every day where I'm exposed to my own voice yeah. and wondering <laughs> if I would reach that point where I'd be like, yeah, no, this is okay. I can, I can do this. <laughs> I think, I think to, to a certain degree, I think I must have always had a certain amount of sort of like delusion or something because I go back and listen to stuff, some stuff and I'm like, how did I, how did I ever like work with this and like put it out into the world? And, you know, anyway, but, you know, but now I'm, I, I find, you know, you talked about that XOXO talk and, and so many times um, I'd give a performance and then look back at the video of the performance. And it's especially in these performances where, you know, in recording, I can sort of fudge a lot of things, you know, you can like move things around and, not necessarily auto-tune, but you can get the take that you want. Mm -hmm. But then when you're performing, you have one, you know, you have one chance. And so a lot of times I would look back at a performance, just really, that would be where I'd really cringe. I'd be like, oh my God, I was really off key there or something really went wrong and people must have been really polite. And then I looked, and so I was ready. I was, you know, at the song that I did at the end of my XOXO talk, I was totally ready to like listen back to it and completely cringe. Um, and I listened back to it and I'm like, wow, I actually sound pretty good. Like I'm, I'm not horrified by this. I actually rather like the way I sound. So yeah, that was, it's definitely a new experience for me. That's got to be a great feeling though. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it makes me feel, it makes, it gives me a certain kind of confidence that like, even if I'm still not quite where I want to be as a musician, that like, um, 
that I am improving and even though it might be sort of slow um that's it's weird about that kind of improving it's like it you know that that phrase that like you know when things change slowly and then all at once mm-hmm. um that's what it sort of feels like with with my voice and with different things uh, uh, you know about how I my skill as a songwriter and a singer and stuff I think that's great I I strive to to be there someday maybe in six years yeah thank um, you. <laughs> So can you talk about giving a talk at XOXO? <laughs> yes. So um, I, I've been a huge fan of XOXO. I, I, um, I backed their Kickstarter, their first Kickstarter for the first one. I mean, not, not enough for a ticket or anything, but I, um, I backed them way, way back in the day. And um, I've been a big fan of Andy's for a, Andy Bayo for a long time. And uh you know, so many of my sort of favorite people have spoken at XOXO over the years. Uh, but I, you know, I just, it's, it's on the other coast and I just have never been able to get out there. Um, and then I met Andy at a conference over here called Brooklyn Beta over here in Brooklyn, um, called Brooklyn Beta. And, um, it turned out like he had seen my work and stuff and we, we got lunch and sort of became friendly. Um, and he said, oh, you should come to XOXO next year. And, you know, maybe play or talk. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, I was like, he's just being polite or whatever. And, uh, and then, uh, as the year went on, um, he, he, he was like, yeah, do you seriously, do you want to give a talk? And I was like, I was like really excited. Um, super, super, super big time nervous, more nervous maybe than I have been in years about a performance just because it's, you know, to me, it's like one of just just because of all the people in the past who who have spoken there i mean like dan harman and and my friend mike Rignetta, who 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 i love and just all these people who are just my favorites jonathan colton you know and so it's like i felt like i had a lot to live up to and i felt like the audience was uh while i knew that they would be super forgiving and i i really wanted to do a good job you know i wanted to do a good job for them um so i spent a long time working on the talk um maybe longer than i've worked on anything i I tend not to work very i tend to everything that i do i tend to work very quickly and then sort of put it out the door but i spent months and months and months sort of trying to working on it and honing it and by the end my my wife who had to listen to it over and over and over again was like so sick of the talk she's just like i never (laughs) want to hear anything about this talk ever again please um um but you know all of that sort of I think it really paid off because I, you know, I got up there and I felt really comfortable with the material. Like I knew exactly what everything was and how it was going to, you know, how things flowed or whatever. And, um, you know, for me, it it was a huge success. I I felt like, um, you, you know, the biggest compliments basically that I got about that was like, basically afterwards, everybody was telling me that they were in tears, uh, at the end. And so that was like, you know, basically, I don't feel like it could have gone any better than that. Oh, I thought it was beautiful because, you know, for those who haven't watched it, there will be a a link in the show notes. But you weave the story about, you know, nostalgic story talking about your grandmother and weaved it into Song a Day. And in 
you just you did it very artfully and it was oh, thank you you know i haven't watched all of those talks the talks from last year or this year quite yet but it, it is one of my favorites because um it, it was very artful I, I i think you did a good job thanks so much yeah i, I worked i worked really hard on figuring out exactly how to, you know i knew i wanted to talk about her she had passed you know she passed away about a year ago and um and so I knew I wanted to incorporate her somehow and it was just figuring out exactly how. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And she sounds like such a neat person. Like <laughs> she sounds like someone you'd want to go get a drink with or, you know, I don't know. And just yeah, talk to get, get high with. She, she, <laughs> she, that was more her, her thing. Um, yeah, she was, yeah, she was, she was quite a lady for sure. Yeah. So I asked you on the show, I was like, okay, how can I, how can I get Jonathan Mann on the show so that it'll fit with the premise? And so the main, the main reason I wanted to have you on is because of your, I guess, song a day advocacy for, um, for feminism and against Gamergate. (laughs) And, um, you've been really, really vocal and, you know, since all of this started and, I wanted to talk because so one of my frustrations has been kind of the silence from many men in kind of the tech and gaming community about Gamergate. And you've been the exact opposite. You're like 180 degrees opposite of a lot of prominent people in the community. And why did you decide to do that? Or why why have you chosen to make yourself a target, I guess? <laughs> um, I, you know, so when it comes to Song of Day and when it comes to like what I talk about in Song of Day, it basically, um, there's like, there's basically one criteria, which is like, it's something that I'm interested in or something that is meaningful to me or something that I care about. Um, uh, you know, as far as like the topical types of songs, like, you know, I, I sing about Apple stuff cause I'm like an Apple fanboy, Right. And like, I sing about, I've for many years sang songs about video games cause video games are, are something that's very important to me. Um, you know, and feminism fits in with that. I mean, feminism is something that, that is really important to me. Um, for me as like a dude or whatever, like, um, it's a, it's, it's, a an ever evolving thing, you know, like I definitely am not perfect by any means and I'm, I make mistakes and, um, but it's something that I, you know, the sort of feminism for men as a sort of self-reflective thing, you know, just of, of sort of being aware and, and, um, always sort of questioning, like, why are you doing this certain thing and questioning your assumptions? To me, all of that is really, really important. Um, and I don't remember what the first Gamergate song I did. I think the first one I did actually was like, was fuck yes, I'm a social justice warrior. We need social justice warriors. We need a social justice wizard. We need social justice paladins. We'll all go hunting assholes for the experience point. And that literally just came out of a conversation with my wife where, you know, it was sort of, I think it was just, just pre, it might've been just pre Gamergate, but it was like things were about to sort of bubble over. 
maybe maybe um Aaron Gogjani or whatever his name is had had hosted the thing, but it had yet to become like this big huge thing. I don't remember exactly the timeline, but I was telling my wife, like, you know, so I was having a conversation with her and I was like, man, these people online, their insult is this thing, social justice warrior. Like they they call they're like SJW, social justice warrior. And, you know, she is not privy to any of the stuff. She doesn't pay attention to any of the stuff online. She's like, what are they talking about? That sounds awesome. Like, why, <laughs> right? why is that an insult? Like, what are they doing? Um, and so I was like, and I hadn't actually stopped to think about that. I was like, you know, because they just use it as such an insult. And I was like, you know what? You're right. It does sound awesome. It sounds like the most awesome thing ever. Um, and I think I'd also seen somebody tweet about being like a social justice, you know, um, bard and a social justice wizard and a, you know, and all this other stuff. It's like, this is a great premise for a song. So I just, I, I, I put that song out and it actually didn't really go anywhere at first. Like, uh, you know, my normal audience sort of listened to it and it sort of came and went. Um, so, uh, I think the, the one that hit the biggest actually was um was the one i did uh re- as a rebuttal to to uh Christina Summers based mom Christina Summers uh uh who you know when i saw the video that she put out i was just like man that i had never actually heard of her and then i looked up like the institute that she's a part of i'm like really this is like this is their hero like this is the person that they're i, I was very confused um <laughs> we all were and yeah yeah um and so, you know, I decided to just like to go for it and, and do an auto tune and has the general sex taken over the video games and our games rife with sexism? Well, those are two different ideas and the title of the video is Are video games sexist? And I don't think you answer this. And um, I had actually, you know, I, I had been a fan of Anita Sarkeesian's for a very long time since um since well before she even sort of broke out with the video game stuff i i had been watching i think like many people uh pre video game stuff like her first video that i had seen was the was the bechtel test video mm-hmm. um and that was the first that i had ever heard of the bechtel test and so i think i started following her and um you know she did a lot of videos about movies and TV shows and other popular culture things. And back then her audience was actually quite small, um, which, which is, you know, I love, I love that fact. And I love how, you know, gamer gators and at all, you know, uh, look at her and they're like, Oh, she's just in it for the money. And she, if she had been in it for the money, you know, there were, there were years and years and year four or five years that went by when I don't think she was making a dime putting out these videos. Um, so that would have to be a pretty long con, you know, yeah. like, um, anyway, so, so I met her at XOXO, um, and, and sort of, we became friendly and I, I, I was chatting with her and like, you know, uh, and Jonathan McIntosh, who had actually also been a fan of for many years, um, after seeing his, his Donald Duck Glenn Beck mashup, which is like one of my favorite things on the internet ever, because it is just like, so, so good. And those guys, the two of them are like, they're so, um, they're so serious about, I mean, they're like true activists. Um, and it's basically they're, you know, they've devoted their, both of their lives to, 
to working on this stuff. And I really love that. Um, so after meeting them, I had this idea for this, this auto tune rebuttal and, um, but I wasn't quite sure how to go about it. So, um, cause I'm not, I'm not particularly good at arguing things actually. Um, you know, which is sort of frustrating, but you know, I, I've tried to have arguments with people and it's just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never really good at like saying what I think basically. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, it, but <laughs> I talk myself uh, in circles, you know, like, and no, you don't get it. And then I, uh, exactly. It's hard. Um, so, so I actually got some support from them about like how to frame, how to frame it and, and uh, in a way that, and I also was very conscious with that one. Like I didn't want to do to Christina Summers what people do to Anita, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I didn't want to just like ad hominem and, and sort mm-hmm. of make her look, try to make her look bad. I just wanted to like try to, you know, in a fun way, kind of refute her points, you know, so that one went out and Anita tweeted that one, which, which sort of then, you know, brought down the, the full wrath and fury of, uh, of the Gamergate crowd. And, um, you know, and as things have gone on, it's just always been my way to, if there's something especially that sort of speaks to me directly, or something that I really care about, I'm going to write a song about it, because every day I need to I need to write another song and it makes sense to, to write about the things that I care about the most. Mm -hmm. And so as Gamergate has progressed and there's been, you know, there's been sort of flare ups about this thing and that thing and Maddie Bryce and like, you know, and just every little, every little thing is something that I want to sing about and something that I care about. Um, There was one that was like tangentially related to Gamergate, which is like the Reddit, um, I forget, I forget exactly what the controversy was, but it was the CEO of Reddit, and he wrote this thing about how men are responsible for their own souls, and like, you know, why it was why he was allowing certain sort of really awful things on Reddit. Um, I think it was why he was allowing certain kinds of harassment uh, on Reddit. He was, he was, they, you know, and you know, so I wrote that song. I feel like that came out really well. Um, and so that's that's basically the long and short of it. I, I guess more long than short, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it's really just comes from a place of of uh, it's important to me, and um, I tend to sing about things that are important to me. Yeah, and I I loved that video you did because you took Christina's arguments, Christine, Christina. Um, who knows? Yeah, and Christina. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's Christina, and you you did not attack her. Like I think you did a really good job of that. And it's the video I send people when they're like, oh, hey, this seems like a really good, you know, analysis of sexism in video games. And I'm like, yeah. you know, uh, I have a song for you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've really appreciated it, that video in particular, because I think it's probably the one I've linked to the most of everything <laughs> you've done. Although I will admit the the one that gets in my head the most is the accidental tech podcast theme song. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I don't know whether to curse you or thank you because we walk <laughs> around singing that and now it's become conflated with the isometric theme song that you did. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so like they, I'm doing my own little mashup in my head. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do apologize. I both apologize <laughs> and, uh, 
Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. And I, I love that you, you know, these kind of social justice issues aside, which I thank you for doing as well. But I really like seeing people have fun doing what they're doing. And I think that's what I appreciate about your videos the most is that or your songs is that it's very clear that mostly <laughs> you enjoy what you're doing. Like, you know, when you're you know, you showed that video of you in the tub um, mm -hmm. sick because yeah. it was the only way that you were like not overwhelmingly nauseous, yeah. you know, singing a song a day. I imagine that wasn't the best song, but <laughs> um, I like seeing people do what they like to do. So the other way I could get you on the show is um, Game Jew. <laughs> yes. Which, um, will you talk about that a little bit? I watched, so you put together about an eight minute little little documentary talking about it, um, which I watched this morning. But would you talk to the audience about what Game Jew, um, who you were as Game Jew, I guess? Yeah. So Game Jew um came out of the mario opera i wrote this rock opera based on the super mario brothers uh in grad school and performed it around la and as that wound to a close um i created this character called game jew and made weekly a weekly sort of episode for uh i mean the weekly episodes lasted about 10 weeks and um then Game Jew went on for about two years, between 2006 to 2007, running a little bit in 2008. And basically, Game Jew essentially was um, me with a Mario uh, overalls without a shirt. <laughs> so my chest hair is sort of flying free um, and a Mario cap. And um, I went around singing songs about video games and interviewing people about video games and um, making little puppet shows about video games and just sort of, you know, basically winging it, but just, you know, talking about what I was interested in. And back then I was, you know, really obsessed with games and, uh, and, and the sort of wider gaming culture. Uh, I was reading all the blogs all the time, which I, you know, I don't keep up as much as I did back then these days um i had a lot more time i think on my hands um i was younger but uh I, it's actually very interesting i wonder where i wonder what you know if this gamergate thing had happened back then i wonder what game jews um take would have been i was very i mean one of my uh running gags in the in the first few in the first sort of sets of episodes of game jew was sort of to be anti-Jack Thompson. Um, I was very, very uh, vo vocally sort of hating Jack Thompson, which, you know, which was not a contrary thing back then. It was a sort of everybody, everyone in the gaming industry really sort of despised the guy. Um, and I think it's pretty hilarious that they've now sort of embraced him, which is just like like crazy-making. Uh, um but you know the 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 game Jew's biggest achievement uh uh was that i I tracked down and sang a song that I had written for uh Shigeru Miyamoto and i and I sang it to him um and he was very polite uh yeah, game Jew was always you know if I really didn't know what I was doing and I was really winging it and i you know if I had the passion 
if I had the same sort of passion for that that I did back then now, I think it would it would look similar, but I think that um there were there were things that I was interested in. I mean, there's stuff that's happening now that that if Gameju had had seen, he would have just like freaked out about like um, you know, I I support Anna Anthropy on on Patreon and like the kind of stuff that she does and a lot of these other um super 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 indie game makers uh that's always the kind of stuff that gameju was like most interested in it was like nintendo and it was like what was happening with the old school stuff and then it was like what is the what are these weird really interesting uh socially valuable games that people are making um and and that kind of stuff was always to me uh the most interesting and and that and that realm has only got more more and more interesting over time. I was going to say because the tools now are so much more accessible totally. I think than they were in 2007-2008. Yeah. You know, you need a decent computer, maybe not even that and you can create a game and I think that's pretty cool. It's I mean Unity, I've downloaded Unity and 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 messed around with it and it's it's it, it is the it is like it's crazy. It's crazy how accessible it is. Hmm. Now I'm picturing a, a song a day video game. I <laughs> I I very much, you know, have wanted to make this reality. I, I've been messing around and, and trying to make like at least like a music video in a game. Um and and with with varying degrees of success. Oh, that would be so neat. <laughs> I really, yeah, hopefully be able to make it happen. Yeah. So do you think that Gameju set you up for, I don't know, success with Song A Day or gave you... So I imagine that it would have helped kind of at least help prepare you kind of for what to expect in terms of like putting something on the internet so freely. Yeah, that's interesting. No, that's an interesting point. I I don't know that I've ever really thought about that exactly, but I think it's very true actually because Gameju, I started posting video right at the sort of, you know, YouTube launched in 2005 and um, I started posting Gameju regularly uh, in 2006, in the middle of 2006. So it was pretty early as far as YouTube goes. Um, and, you know, uh, Gameju was not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you know, people want it. What's funny about trolls is that often they're not very creative. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so one of the, one of the most often sort of insults that I would get was, was Gayju. Haha, Gayju. Is this Gameju, Gayju? Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually even did a, um, I did a, uh, a sort of a call out to that where I, I I had my friend Zach uh who is gay uh put on my outfit and do a sort of over the top sort of gay game Jew I called it and and uh gave us a tour of his of his studio and it was, it was a very funny thing anyway so you know I sort of it's always been my my intention that with most trolls, you sort of ignore them, but then occasionally it's fun to um, mess with them. 
mess with them or you know call them out Mm -hmm. and 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 songs have a have a sort of special way of doing that have a special way of most of the time anyway sort of disarming people so that's definitely one thing that i that i took from from game two um i do think that like just posting things online regularly back then did prepare me you know i had a i had sort of just a base level understanding of like how youtube works and how you know how to do that and and what to expect and how to deal basically. So has that changed at all in terms of the types of comments and the types of feedback you get or has, you know, volume aside, the tone and intent of commenters, have you noticed any kind of change in that over time? I have maybe a little bit. I mean, so, you know, I have a, I have a sort of small core audience that listens every day. Um, and, and those folks are, um, very, very, uh, positive and respectful. Um, and actually occasionally will tell me when they don't like something, um, but they'll put it in a really respectful way, which I, you know, I love getting that sort of criticism and feedback, um, hearing from people what they do like and what they don't like. Um, you know, when a song gets really popular, or then especially with some of these Gamergate songs, it's just, it's the same old stuff. I mean, this stuff has been around since the dawn of the of the internet. Uh, and I don't think that it's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't know that it's necessarily gotten any worse. Maybe it's with something like Gamergate, I think it's the first time we've seen a sort of large, sustained campaign uh, of its kind um but it's but it's you know the constituent parts are the same i think the only thing that's different is is how long it's gone on mm-hmm. and and the sort of the the volume has been so, sort of consistent and i don't think i don't think the internet as a whole has ever seen anything quite like that um and it's it's it is frightening and it's like I've heard people say, and it is, it is frightening to think that this is sort of the new normal, um, or, or certainly like that there's always going to be this just sort of bubbling undercurrent of it. And then, you know, when something happens, everyone has a, uh, a, a thing to rally around. Um, one of the things that's actually been really sort of disappointing with Gamergate on a, on a super personal level. And it's like, you know, it's nothing compared to uh, the sort of real deal harassment and uh, life-threatening harassment that that you know certain people, some people have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but one on a, on a sort of just like my own little bubble personal thing that's been one of the hardest things is sort of losing friends over it um, uh, and losing longtime fans over it. Um, there are certain friends you know that that uh i've been friends with for for quite a while um other people who make online video and stuff who just it's you know i could deal with someone sort of disagreeing about certain things about gamergate if it's like well i'm pro gamergate you know um but i don't like the harassment or whatever like i could deal with someone being like, yeah, corruption and journalism, like if that was really their thing. But mm-hmm. then, you know, I've had friends who have been like, Anita's a fraud. I hate Anita. She should be, you know, 
she should be called out and she, you know, she needs to be stripped of everything and whatever, like just, you know, basically being super mean about people they don't even know. And, and anytime anyone, you know, or, or the whole Zoe Quinn thing is another good example. Like if, if, if I've had friends who look at the Zoe Quinn situation and, and be like, yeah, seems legit. Like that, that is like, to me, it's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to continue with you. Right. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a deal breaker. It's a hard, but, and, and then, and then it's really hard. It's like, ah, I, I thought I knew who you were. I thought I understood where you're coming from. And is there a way that I can like make you see why that is such a, why that's like such a big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, that's when my, my, my skills with rhetoric you know, or my lack of skills with rhetoric are, are (laughs) most detrimental. Yeah. Yeah, Where, where it's like with people who I really admire and respect and, and think does good work. And, and then they, you know, they look at, they look at something like what, what Aaron Gorgani or whatever his name is did. And they're like, yeah, that, that, you know, totally valid. valid." You know, it's like, ah, that's, no, that's, uh, uh, so that's, that's been hard. Yeah, um, and I know it doesn't help you feel any better, but you're not alone in that at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I talked to Virginia Roberts several weeks ago, and um, because she's been in like a a QA person for like AAA game studios, and talking about you know her husband um, worked on um, um, Never Alone, and um, she's like, we have lost friends over this. Wow. And yeah. I haven't experienced it over Gamergate because um the people I know in real life are not in this kind of space. Right. right. But Ferguson has really brought yeah. that out around, wow. you know, cuz I grew up in a very conservative part of the country. I grew up Oof. in a very white part of the country. Um and I've told this story on the podcast before, but there was literally one black person in the town where I grew up. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, you know, so so highly conservative people who are about like military support and, you know, anti-gun control and family members like I I can't talk to some of my family members anymore as a result of, you know, what's been happening on kind of that racial equality front over the last couple of months. And you learn these things about people where, you know, for me, it's kind of been. Yeah, I've always kind of known that about you, but I figured that something would shake you awake. And right. now I'm realizing that nothing nothing is yeah, going to. Yeah, if this stuff isn't going to, nothing will. And that's I mean, that's heartbreaking. And that's so That's super heartbreaking. I'm I'm totally with you in that kind of cuz it's like a it's like a a, a punch to the stomach. It really like, is. Holy cr- you know, we've been friends for a decade we've been friends for two or three years and i never knew you were like this <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder i wonder if it makes me wonder if back in, in the 60s you know with with you know civil rights movement and all that if if similar lines were drawn you know if, if or if you know there's this idea that as a culture we're becoming more and more um polarized and that you know that we've never been more that yeah that we've never been more polarized than we are now and i wonder if i wonder if 
if this sort of thing happened back then or if this is sort of sort of a new phenomenon where where we just yeah you just yeah. can't can't even can't even do i i mean i would like to you know i mean my fr- my parents had this these these really good friends um uh that they made um when they lived in florida they lived in florida for like 8 years and their their best friends down there were like hardcore republicans um like the the husband had been donald rumsfeld's like was donald rumsfeld was his mentor oh. um so, so like that's how that's like the level at which <laughs> and and you know on all political issues they watched fox, fox news they were like the, the polar opposite of what my parents are um and yet they had a really wonderful friendship um they could not talk about politics. If they did, uh, things got ugly really fast. So they just they just decided it was completely off the table, um, and nobody was ever allowed to mention it. Um, and yet, and, but you know, even given all of that, uh, you know, anytime either of them, you know, my dad had this whole thing with his back, uh, and they were like so so there to support him in every way, and they were basically like family and, and, um, you know, there's a part of me that just, that wants that to be the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be so hard, uh, to, to put aside some of this, some of this stuff. Yeah. And I think what gets me, um, what makes it so difficult for me is the nature of, it. I mean, we're talking about people, being harmed on a regular basis as a result of this you know it's not it's not like abstract yeah yeah it's not a philosophical thing about you know how much the government should do about i don't even know (laughs) i can't think of whatever yeah whatever like i can't think of a good example but it's this is literally lives and this is literally like people being harmed and you know i don't like I saw posts from people I've known since I was very little, like on Facebook, because Facebook is evil, you know, but they were like, oh, yeah, he, you know, so and so got what was coming to him. I'm like, how does anybody deserve that? Uh, you yeah, know, that's... no, I know. Yeah, no, you're so right. I mean, that that's the problem is that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's real. And it's, it's tangible. <laughs> and people are dying, literally. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, right now, you were talking about it wondering about how it was in the 60s mm-hmm. and you know the thing that we have that they didn't was the internet yeah and so they were getting news a day two three a week later right you know whereas now it's like i'm checking twitter to see what's happening in berkeley and ferguson and and because the news outlets aren't reporting it right and um i i i know that that's had to have such a major impact on one, the way I feel about it and the way other people feel about it. Um, and two, just the, the sheer amount of information that we're getting as opposed to in the sixties. Yeah, that's a good point. But I don't know, you know, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe that's something I should, a conversation I should have with my mom, um, and ask her what, what it was like living through that because, you know, and she was, in a predominantly white community. So that's different too. So I don't know. It, it's, it's something, it's a conversation. I think that maybe not a Christmas conversation, but a conversation <laughs> that we should have. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I could ask, I could have the same conversation with my parents, see if they, if they see any parallels or if it's, 
or, or what's different about it. Yeah. Anyway, on to something more fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we talk about creativity a little bit? Sure. What's it like? I don't know. Yeah, I have a spiel. I have a, I have a creative creativity. Okay, spiel give me your give just, me your spiel. I could just I could just launch into it. If, Let's if, do it if you want. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, my my belief about about creativity or or sort of when people sort of talk about what I do or, or want to hear about what I do, you know, most of the time it centers around this this idea like oh I could never do that or you know, or I wish that I could make something every day or, or whatever it is. Like, I feel like most people tend to bend towards the perfectionism sort of side of creativity where it's like, you know, um, they make things that are, and they work on them and they make them very perfect. Uh, and that tends to be, I think, mostly, at least the people that I know, the way that they approach creativity. And mine is the opposite of that. Um, and at the heart of like of what I do is this idea that um you know you of of not being afraid to to make something that's bad basically is like it lies at the heart of of everything that I do where um it's just about sitting down and doing the work and making something uh no matter what and and putting aside this idea that everything that you make has to be good because the fact is is that not not everything that you make is going to be good mm-hmm. and that's just that's just a statistical fact of reality there's no sort of bending that so knowing that not everything that you make can be good um to me the only recourse the the correct sort of response is to like make a lot of stuff because uh you know, a certain percentage of things that you make are going to be good. And to make that percentage go up, you have to make more things. Uh, And really, it is about fear. You know, it's about there's a there's a fear of failure and a fear of of making something that is not good, because it doesn't it feels bad to make something bad. Right. (laughs) You know, that's not a good feeling when you sit down and you work on something and you're like, wow, this is shitty. This is awful. (laughs) Um, But 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 you know, to sort of get over that fear or find tricks and ways of confronting and, um, you know, maybe not getting over it necessarily, but sort of using it or dancing with it or doing whatever you can with that fear uh, to, to break through and, and, and make something anyway. Um, and Song of Day really is just that. It's a sort of, it's my trick for for dealing with that fear because I know that if I make something bad today, uh, I have another chance tomorrow and, and each thing becomes less precious because there's so many of them, you know? And so, you know, it's like, it's like if I only wrote one song a month, um, that's like one chance, you know, one, only 12 chances in a year to make something good. Um, those are not as good odds as 365. So that's that's my spiel. Well, and I also think of it similarly, I think, as um, exercising a muscle. So I don't know if you work out at all, but um, I used to be pretty heavy into lifting weights, and I'm planning on getting back into it again. And so I think Sweet. of it as um, not every workout is good. 
Right. And <laughs> some of them you feel bad and some of them it's just like, I can't do this. The thought of, you know, going, going to the gym or going to the garage and lifting a kettlebell or whatever makes me want to cry. And totally. I just, I, I can't do this. And then you get up and you do it anyway and you get through it. And usually it's like, okay, yeah, that kind of sucked, but I'm okay. I made it through yeah. it. And it, creativity to me is the same for my experience with creativity anyway, is that when I am like, I don't know, trying to be creative, when I'm setting aside time, I'm sitting down, I'm dedicating it, dedicating to it, I'm working that creativity muscle. Some days it's really, really hard and it comes out kind of sloppy and bad, but at least I did it. And some days, like you were saying, it's just gold. And I look at it and I'm like, I am really proud of what I did today. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I think too, like with, on the workout metaphor, it's like sometimes it, you never know what you're going to get. You can be feeling really inspired and sit down and blech will come out and you could be feeling completely uninspired and sit down and something amazing will come out. Just like with a workout, you know, you can be feeling so tired and shitty and the workout can revitalize you and you're like, man, that was really great. And you can be feeling totally fine and go to the workout and it's just not a good one. And you just never know. And so it's like, it's better just to sit down and try and see what, you know, see what's going to come out yep. to the A. Totally agree. I love, I love your spiel. <laughs> That's my spiel. I'm sticking <laughs> to it. <laughs> so one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I know we're close to an hour, but um, so Kickstarter, you recently yes. completed another Kickstarter, right? This is, was your second my second. Yep. yep. So you want to talk about that a little bit and what people can expect to result from being funded? Yeah, yeah. So um, I uh, funded a album of Harry Potter related tunes uh, on Kickstarter. Um, and, you know, Harry Potter is definitely one of my favorite book series. I, I, I love sort of everything about it. Um, I love that love is the is the sort of most powerful magic, which is one of the songs. Um, and and not in like a cheesy way. Like that's one of the things I love about the mm -hmm. books is that that like love is the answer, and it's like not super. It doesn't because it's sort of been rolled out over the course of seven books, and it's sort of fundamental. It's intrinsic to the story. Uh, it doesn't feel tacked on or sappy. It feels it feels legit. Uh, which I really love and I really appreciate. Um, so it's five songs based on the Harry Potter universe. Um, they are not, none of them are about sort of Harry directly. Um, there's a song about Snape, who is one of my favorite characters because he, I sort of, I love Adventure Time too. I don't know if you watch Adventure Time. I but, don't. Um, I've tried, but. You know, there's this character, the Ice King, who's, who's my favorite. Um, and, you know, there are these characters who, these, they're these sort of tragic figures who just want to love. Uh, and, and in the course of trying to love, they sort of ruin their whole lives. Uh, and that, there's sort of nothing to me more, more tragic than that. I think it's, it's just so uh, gut-wrenching. Um, I love that Snape's was always lilies um and that's that's it's one of the songs is about snape uh another one is is like a bruce willis kind of character 
It's like, what if Bruce Willis worked for the Ministry of Magic and like the Muggle relations arm where like Arthur Weasley works? Um, Can you even really imagine? Exci- oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like really excited for how that song is going to come out. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so it's basically, it's just my, it's basically fan fiction. It's, it's like a little bit of fan fiction uh, in song about Harry Potter. And uh, currently the drums are tracked and uh, my friend Matt is working on the, the horn sections. And after that, it's going to be mixed and then it'll be mastered. And I hope it'll be out uh, sometime in February is, is sort of what I'm aiming for right now. I'm really looking forward to it, especially <laughs> now too. that Bruce Willis is being incorporated. Because Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm picturing John McCain and... Uh, like leaping on wizards and restraining exactly them. <laughs> yeah yeah die hard yeah, yeah exactly yep, you know yep. it's like he he uh yeah he like he comes up these you know it's just like he's you know he's like the the whole the classic like i'm too old for this shit you know it's just <laughs> like this he's like he hates his job and he just like goes around and like deals with muggles being stupid <laughs> and like and like it's just like uh you know and so I, I thought that was a sort of funny idea for, for a character. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm songadayman with two N's, songadayman. Uh, and my YouTube channel is The Rock Cookie Bottom, The Rock Cookie Bottom. It's really easy to find me if you just like search, you, if you just search Google for John, for my name, I'm the first thing that comes up or search for for song a day on google it's the first thing that comes up that's me i have so greatly enjoyed talking to you thank you so much for coming on me too my pleasure thanks for having me and um i will see you on the internet all right take care (laughs) okay bye you can find the show on twitter at less than or equal if you have feedback suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form If you have a few minutes, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.